time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this Vintage Truth Broadcast. You know, we're talking about how to survive spiritual the spiritual desert. What do you do when your faith runs dry? And we looked at the example last time of Elijah's incredible victory on Mount Carmel where he defeated like a hundred to nothing the prophets of Baal and of course thus proved that the God of Israel was the true God he is the true God God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob the God who sent Jesus Christ to this earth he's the true God and Elijah experienced that had this incredible incredible victory but then it says that the evil king Ahab told his wicked wife Jezebel all the things that Elijah had done okay basically uh, you know Elijah killed all of your prophets and Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying so may the gods do to me and even more if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Now, so Elijah's getting his life threatened by this wicked woman who is in a position of authority. So the question really becomes, what what are you going to do now? Now, it's easy to play armchair quarterback with this thing because we can easily say something like, okay, Elijah, dude, you just had, you just come off a win from the Super Bowl. You, you're, you're the greatest prophet in the land and there's nothing you can't handle now just because some queen is threatening your life. I mean, isn't God big enough? If God brought fire from the sky and proved himself with a miracle, surely God can protect you, right? You know what happens? The very next verse, it says, And he was afraid, and arose and ran for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But then he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree. Wow. Now, we have to ask this question because we're talking about the deserts of faith. Why was he so afraid? Why the sudden change in his emotions? He just went from incredible faith to life-threatening fear. He just went from, from victory to despair. Why the sudden change there? I, I think there's several reasons for that. I think that Elijah was experiencing some abnormal circumstances because he was physically exhausted. I really think he was. I mean, he had just run about 17 miles. Okay? We see that in uh, chapter 18, verse uh, verse 46. He's run about 17 miles, so he's physically exhausted. And his his nervous system was just incredibly fatigued 
I mean, anytime you give yourself 100% to something, you're going to have a time of, of rebuilding, of recreation, right? So it's physically exhausted. And that tells me something. It tells me that, that we should never trust our decision-making skills when they're based upon or fueled by our physical exhaustion. Don't make a huge decision about life when you're tired. That's kind of the point here. And instead of looking back by faith and, and seeing what God had done, old Elijah was just like, and I'm just so worn out. I didn't, What, she's threatening my life? I got to get out of here right now. There's this mental fatigue, physical exhaustion. And also, here's another principle for you. You can never live on yesterday's victories, okay? What's true in sports is also true in life. Like recently, the number one seed in an NCAA basketball tournament was beaten by the number 16 seed, this Cinderella team, University of Maryland, Baltimore Community College. It was something just you'd never heard of them. Their mascot's the Golden Retrievers. Are you kidding me? They beat the Virginia Cavaliers, Cavaliers, like the number one seed in their tournament in, the, in their division. But, you, but here's the deal: it doesn't matter what you've done. It didn't matter what Virginia had done up to that point. It only matter what they were going to do in this game. It doesn't matter if if you come from behind and win a great victory in your life. You have a great day. You can't live on that day. Now I can build your faith, but you can't live on it. it doesn't carry over. You can only live in the now. Right now. Right now is the only moment you have. You're driving to work right now listening to this. You're sitting at home out on the back patio listening to this on your phone. You can't you can't live in, in the, the past. You gotta live right now. What are you gonna do now? See, Elijah had a choice about what to do right now. And he chose fear over faith. Because you see, those things are mutually exclusive. They're oil and vinegar. They don't mix. They can't coexist simultaneously. If there's fear, then there's no faith. If there's faith, then there's no fear. And many times we get into the spiritual desert because we've tried to coast on the fumes of past spiritual experiences. You tried to live on yesterday's or last week's or last month's meal, spiritually speaking, that you got in the scripture or at a Bible study or at a community group or at a life group or at church or whatever. You can't live on that. You got to choose every day to live for God. So Elijah goes from this exhilarating victory, but that was exhausting. I mean, not only did he participate in, in in running this 17 miles, but he also was a part of, of killing the, the 450 prophets of Baal. He didn't do that by speaking a word. It, it meant he used his muscles and a sword. And whether he did it alone or others helped him in Israel, we're not really told, but he killed them all. That's exhausting in a time of warfare in a barbaric culture where people kill people so that you won't be killed. That's the way it is, the way it was, the way it still is in some parts of the world today, unfortunately. 
So the man's exhausted. So in verse 4, chapter 19, 1 Kings, says he requested for himself that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I'm not any better than my father's. He just wanted God to take him, take him on to heaven. Now, God eventually would later on, but not now. It's not time yet. Still some more things I want you to do for me. And, and you know, it's interesting. It says he just lay down and slept under a juniper tree. Sometimes all you want to do when you're in a spiritual desert is just go to sleep. You just want to be by yourself, which is what he's doing here. You want to isolate yourself, insulate yourself from the world, and just go be by yourself for a while. That's what Elijah did. He was depressed. Nobody who wants to die isn't depressed, okay? If you're at a point where you're just like, my life is not worth continuing, then I'd say you're probably depressed. You're spiritually fatigued. You have lost the hope that your faith once gave you. And I've known people who have committed suicide. I've known wonderful Christians who have fallen into seasons of despair. And while they were surrounded by darkness under the influence of that depression, they made a choice in that moment to take their life. A choice that 99.999% of the rest of their life they would have thought was absurd, foolish, moronic, stupid, crazy. But not in that moment. In that moment, it made so much sense. And when you're depressed, and when you're going through a season of faith, so many things, so many dumb things make sense to you. It's like the old cartoon or the old movies where guys would be in the desert and they look ahead and they'd see an oasis, right? A mirage, right? You've done that. You've been you've driven down the road before in the summer and you've seen that mirage of water on the road that's really nothing but heat and condensation mixing and the coming off the asphalt. You see that mirage, that oasis, and, and it just makes sense. It, I, it, it's, I see it with my eyes. It's real, and it's real to them. When you're in a spiritual desert, when your faith has gone dry, things that normally would, would sound ridiculous suddenly make sense again. And it's in that instant where you need to allow God to touch you. It's in that instant where you have to make a conscious choice, a decision of the will. And it's a choice to believe by faith. It's not something you can reach out and put your hand on. It's not something you taste in your mouth or hear with your ears. It's something that you believe in your spirit. You choose to believe by faith that God is still there and that he's there for you and that he's willing to touch you. Now that's a difficult decision to make. But my friends, that is the essence of faith. Faith chooses when every part of your being is screaming to run in the opposite direction.
in your mind, it doesn't make sense to have faith. There's no logic there, okay? It's not adding up for you. Your emotions are filled to the brim telling you to go in another direction, telling you not to choose faith, telling you to be afraid. Your emotions are telling you to be full of anxiety and worry and doubt. And even your body, your body may be lying to you as well. Your body may be feeling because of this fatigue that you're feeling or because of nervousness, panic, panic attacks, whatever you're feeling, your body lies to you. So your mind lies to you, your emotion lies to you, and your body lies to you. <laughs> what are you supposed to do in a situation like that? When you're out in the middle of the desert and there's no water anywhere and you're just being burned up by the sand and the heat and your lips are parched and everything within you tells you that, that 100 yards ahead is a, is a pool of cold water. If you could just make it to that pool, you'll be okay. See, the problem with our lives, even when we're not in, in the, this desert experience, the problem is, is that we have learned all of our lives to trust us. We have been trained daily by our own sinful natures to trust ourselves, to trust our hearts to follow our hearts, to listen to ourselves, to listen to the direction our emotions are taking us in the moment. Go with it. To listen to the thoughts that flood our minds and to listen to what our bodies are telling us. And many times, those three entities are lying to us. They're, they're misrepresenting reality. And here comes this opposing opinion from God's word that says, hey, trust in me. Let me help you here. Let me minister to you. You know what? That's what happened to Elijah. Chapter 19, verse Kings, verse 5 says, there was an angel touching him. And he said to him, arise, eat. This messenger from God invited him to take part in the provision that God was providing for him. What was it for Elijah? Well, verse 6, he looked up and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And the angel just supernaturally placed that there for Elijah. Because this is what you need right now. Sometimes when you're, when you're depressed or when you're going through seasons of faith, sometimes you, need, you do need to replenish your body. Take care of your body. Get some sleep. Eat right. Don't abuse your body because that's going to have an impact. on. It's going to cause your body to, body to start deceiving you. So he ate and drank and laid down again. The angel came a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. <laughs> you ever felt like that? The journey is too great? So he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights. He was able to make what God had given him last. God's provision lasted for him, but he had to be willing to accept the provision to say, okay, don't kill me. I'll take what you're giving me. Even if it's just some bread cakes and some water, I'll take it because that's enough. 
That's why Jesus said, Matthew, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know, sometimes we just need that one scripture. But we can't get it unless we open the Bible or unless God brings it to our mind that he had previously given to us through our interaction with scripture. And then he still has to trust God every day. He says, verse 9, Then he came to a cave, and he lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and God said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, Well, I've been very zealous for you, God, but they've, the sons of Israel, forsaken your covenant. They've torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and now they're seeking my life to take it away. God says, Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by Elijah, and what happened was, God's presence came to Elijah through a wind, through an earthquake, through a fire, through a gentle blowing. And Elijah said to God, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm still the only one here. And God said, Elijah, let me tell you something. You're not the only one. You think you are, but you're not the only one. He said, go return your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you've arrived, you'll anoint Haziel king over Aram. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint king of Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. Yet I will leave, verse 18, God says, 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. You see, the word of the Lord came to Elisha and told him, you have a future. You have a hope. And you're not the only one. There are others out there. What kind of comfort must that have given him, a man who wanted to die? Just a month earlier, days earlier. And finally, verse 19 says, So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, while he was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him, and, and he with the 12th. And Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him, his coat on him, and anointed him as the next prophet. You see, Elijah climbed out of his pit, out of his despair, because he believed the word that God had given to him. He allowed God to minister to him day by day and allowed that provision to fuel his life. He was able to carry on and walk out of that desert with God by his side and to believe the word that God had given to him. See, the word of God and the presence of God cured his despair. It didn't mean that there wouldn't be another time where he would doubt God or another time when he would be in despair. But listen, friends, listen, we all go through that. We all go through that. And in those moments, we have to make a conscious choice not to trust our, what our minds are telling us, not to follow the path of our emotions and not to believe even sometimes what our bodies are saying. We have to open up the Bible and we have to see what God says. And he says, I am with you. And I will walk with you through the fire. And I will never, ever leave you or forsake you. 
You see, the journey of faith does not promise that we will never go through deserts or through valleys or even walk through fire in this life. But let me tell you what it does tell us. It tells us that even during those times, even like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there will be a a fourth one in the fire with us. (laughs) One who is like the appearance of the Son of God. And it's there we know, without a shadow of a doubt, that God is still with us. He'll never leave you. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.